Grace, mercy, and peace be to you from God our Father and from our Lord and and from our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. For my thoughts are not your thoughts, nor are your ways my ways, says, says the Lord. For as the heavens are higher than the earth, so are my ways higher than your ways, and my thoughts than your thoughts. So for our text that comes before our Old Testament text from Isaiah chapter 55. For as the rain comes down and the snow from heaven and do not... Return there, but water the earth, and make it bring forth and bud, that it may give seed to the sower and bread to the eater. So shall my word be that goes forth from my mouth. It shall not return to me void, but it shall accomplish what I please, and it shall prosper in the thing for which I sent it. The Lord's ways are not our ways. And his thoughts are not our thoughts. Only faith can grasp this. Only faith can believe the word of the Lord so that it shall go forth from his mouth, from God's mouth, and not come back void. Faith grasps onto these things. And it grasps onto these things because... The Lord works not just in mysterious ways, but in ways that are contrary to our understanding. The Lord works in ways that confound us, that perplex us, because our fallen flesh wants to hold on to the things that it thinks are glorious, are precious, are worthwhile. If that were true, you would not get this word from St. Paul in his, in his second um, letter to the Corinthian church. Because when Paul is writing to this church, he is rebuking them for what they would hold precious and true. What they hold on to, the wisdom that they we're grasping on to and chasing after is not really wise in Christ. The wisdom of Christ led Paul into an upside-down life that turned the world upside-down completely. That through Paul, miraculous things took place. And the big things that took place was that the word was heard. God's word of salvation went out to all the ends of the known world, and it did exactly what God had promised that it would do. It did not come back to him void. And with this, with the word of God, we can hold on to something that is precious. In a time where We may not have a whole lot of hope if you look out to this world to seek it. If you look out in this world, you see a whole lot of things taking place that you may say, how did it ever get this 
bad. We're on the verge of possible war in the Ukraine, possibly, who knows? <laughs> There's all kinds of things happening in Canada where the government is cracking down on its people for peaceful protest. Agree with them or not, I mean, things are getting kind of scary, right? That as Christians, we have to really say, where does our comfort come from? Where is our hope? And what do we do with our weaknesses? What do we do with our pain, with our suffering? What do we do with these things? Paul tells us, by the inspiration of the Holy Spirit, that wisdom abounds in the midst of suffering. That God's ways are not our ways, his thoughts are not our thoughts, that coming from the outside, you would say, suffering? How can that be good? How can anything good come from pain? Right? This is the struggle that we have. That the only way to the wisdom of Paul is through the suffering that he endured. And he suffered a lot from our text, right? Uh, far greater labors, far more imprisonments, countless beatings, often near death. Five times I received at the hand of the Jews the 40 lashes less one. Because, you know, 40 lashes was said to kill you. So they were merciful and only did, and they took one away, right? But he endured this five times. Three times I was beaten with rods. Once I was stoned. Three times I was shipwrecked. On and on and on. Danger, danger, danger from all these things. In toil and hardship, through many a sleepless night. In hunger and thirst, often without food. In cold and exposure. And apart from other things... As if that's not bad enough, even in my downtime when I wasn't facing these things, he says, there was also the anxiety for all the churches. Who is weak and I am not weak? Who is made to fall and I am not indignant? If I must boast, I will boast in the things that show my weakness, my suffering, that for us as Christians, Paul is a good example especially in times like this. This text probably wouldn't have made a whole lot of sense maybe back in the 50s or so, maybe, maybe not even in the 90s. Things are pretty good, right? I mean, in a lot of ways, we thought to ourselves, things are pretty good. Why can't we just go back to the good old days? I mean, I guess for me, the 90s were the good old days, right? Those were the times when I was growing up, and, and we didn't have a whole lot to worry about. Yeah, things on some level were really bad, what was happening with, you know, in the White House and all sorts of scandals and whatnot. Things were bad and on some level, but overall, we didn't have to worry about Wars. We didn't have to worry about shortages. We didn't have to worry about suffering for our faith, right? But now we're actually seeing what's really common, at least for the church. It's not extraordinary that we will suffer for our faith. It's not extraordinary at all. It's actually what's promised, right? It's promised. We will suffer 
for sharing the word of God with people, with sinners who hate God. We will suffer for these things, like Paul did. Maybe you don't suffer on the same level, but you will suffer nonetheless. And yet, in the midst of this, you still ask, what do, what do I do? What do I do with this? Because our flesh wants to hold on to glory, right? Paul specifically mentions that, you know, at the time he was probably facing Judaizers, you know, those who were holding on to their Jewish roots and saying, oh, well, I'm a Hebrew of Hebrews, right? But their boasts are nothing to Paul who could likewise boast, right? He was all those things. In some ways, sometimes I think Lutherans get caught up in this thing. It's like, well, I'm a Lutheran. Oh, yeah? What kind of Lutheran? Lutheran Church, Missouri Synod? Well, so am I. I won't even get into the whole St. Louis and Fort Wayne thing, but it goes on from there. We have these boasts, right? We want to feel powerful. We want to feel smart. We want to feel capable. We want to be important. We want to hold on to the things that we think we should. We want to boast in the things that the world sees as good, right? That's our temptation. We as Christians, I think, as the church, maybe you do too, for a long time, the church has been chasing after the world. It's been seeking those things that the world says is good, right? The glory of scholarship or the glory of... uh, Wealth, right? Or strength or numbers. The glory of all these things are not what we are to boast in. Because although Paul could boast in all these things, it didn't matter. What he did boast in was the pain and the suffering that he suffered on account of Christ. Likewise, we should boast of these things. Not as a sense of pride, but in a sense that we share in the sufferings of Christ. That Christ suffered for us. That in Hebrews it even says that you have not suffered to the point of shedding your own blood. But Christ has, right? That's not a dare, right? That's not a challenge to say, go out and be crucified. But that is to say that our Lord suffered for you more than you could possibly fathom, not to make you feel guilty, not to say top that, but to say rest in what Christ has done for you, that the suffering you face, he understands. He's felt it. He understands. And when we are weak, when we are in these times of despair, in suffering, We, like St. Paul, plead with the Lord, take it away. Take it away from me. I don't want this thing. God knows that I've prayed that a lot of times for certain things in my life. But this word of God should bolster us all. That instead of taking it away, the Lord said, my grace is sufficient for you. For my power is actually made perfect in weakness. Right? 
that although St. Paul was harassed by a messenger of Satan himself, the Lord was able to use this for his good. Likewise, although we have been harassed by a messenger of Satan that you might call COVID-19, that you might call harassment for our faith, the demonic forces, the spiritual warfare we face day in and day out, if we're doing as God commands us to do, to share his word, to pray for others, to engage in the life that God has called us into, out of the darkness and into his marvelous light, that if those things are taking place, if that fruit is growing by God's grace, then we should expect the attacks of Satan and all the more boast because of them, right? To boast all the more gladly of our weaknesses so that the power of Christ may rest upon us. Now, I don't, I don't want this sermon to be about me. That's the last thing I want. But as a pastor, pastors should be examples on some level, right? And for me, a big struggle is my stutter. And of course, I get a lot of people saying, don't worry about it. We like it. <laughs> to me, it's like, okay, whatever. you know. But people say, we like it. It helps us think about it differently. It helps us slow down a little bit or, or whatever. People have been so gracious in their responses to this, yet Satan doesn't stop. He doesn't stop coming after me uh, not because I'm special. <laughs> I'm not. I'm just an instrument of the Lord proclaiming his word to people for them to hear and trust in him, not me. So on some level, if you think it's too hard, know that I struggle with you. That it is hard to accept that God's grace is sufficient and that his power is actually made perfect in weakness. His power is made perfect in the weakness of my tongue and my mouth. His power is made perfect in your weakness of not quite saying the perfect words when you're talking to somebody about Christ. His power is made perfect in your weakness of fear for being chastised for sharing God's word. And that is the promise, that his power is made perfect even though you are not. He is the one who does the great things. In our weakness, how great is his power to save. And likewise, Although we may feel weak when we share the word of God, when we attempt to be like the sower who goes out and sows all over the place, right? On stony ground, on the path, on the rock, on the thorns, and on good soil, not knowing exactly where it's going to land, right? Because we can't know people's hearts. That in the end, although we may look and we may see that nothing really has come of our efforts, at least not that we care to admit. 
Right? We may look and we may see, oh, well, you know, so many times I've sown God's word and it has done exactly what Jesus says that it would do in certain types of soil, right? That along the path it's trampled and the birds consume it. That along the rock it grows up and is strong for a short amount of time, but its roots aren't deep and so it dies when temptation comes. That the thorns grow up and choke it. But for us who trust in Christ, that he is the one who does the good work, that he is the one who makes the seed take root, that he is the one who makes it grow, that in the end, that word will fall on good soil. That word of God will find those who after hearing that word, hold it fast in an honest and good heart and bear fruit with patience. We may not be able to see the fruit in our lifetimes. I know that in my, in my life, if Christ doesn't come back at some point, you know, during my lifetime, um, things probably won't get better until after I'm gone. If things are really bad right now, they're probably gonna get worse but by God's word and by his promise, I trust that he will sustain his church. He will change the soil from being stony to being good. He will change the hearts of people from a heart of stone to a heart of flesh. He will fulfill his purpose with his word. He has promised as much and he is trustworthy because of what he has promised and accomplished in Jesus Christ, in his death, in his resurrection, in his ascension, in his reigning on high for us, for you, for your good. So in the midst of temptation, in the midst of struggle, in the midst of suffering and, and weakness, rejoice. Give thanks to God, for his word proclaims salvation in Christ. His word, the word made flesh, has saved you by his work. And the peace of God, and the peace of God which surpasses all understanding, will guard your hearts and minds through Christ Jesus our Lord.